Father God, we just thank you for bringing Ashley uh, this morning, and we just ask that you bless him now as he opens up your word. Amen. Amen. Uh, and you thought I was all going to preach tripping wet, didn't you? Hey, there we are. Good morning, everyone. It's uh, great to be back with you. Graham, thank you for leading our thoughts and uh, drawing us to this amazing morning. Jonathan, thank you for, uh, again, just leading us to, the, to our thoughts and bringing us to this place. And Elijah, thank you for allowing me uh, to, to, to assist in your baptism. It's been great to share. It's been great to witness. And now as we look at, uh, at God's word together this morning, ultimately it comes with a challenge. And it comes with a very simple one-worded challenge. But before that, uh, in 1912, a pastor from Scotland by the name of John Harper had been invited to work in America. He booked a crossing on the maiden voyage of Titanic. And on the Sunday, the 14th of April, 1912, Harper attended the church service for passengers. His niece reported that later uh, in the afternoon, she saw her uncle uh, speaking individually to people that he'd met in that service, and he was talking about the state of their souls. It seems that he was in the habit of seeking out lost sheep wherever he went. So the infamous story of, of the Titanic goes that on... Uh, the 14th of April, 1912, 106 years ago yesterday, at 11.40 in the evening, as the call was issued for passengers to vacate their cabins, the, the ship had struck the iceberg. Harper wrapped his daughter in a blanket, told her that see, he would see him, her one day, and passed her to one of the crewmen. After watching her safely board one of the lifeboats, he removed his life jacket and gave it to one of the other passengers. Harper knew Harper knew that they were all, or at least the majority of them, were going to die. But he needed to do something about it. He needed to do something about the people that he was uh, uh, destined to die with on that ship. So as he, he ran along the decks, bumping into people, bouncing off of people, having people in panic and anguish running past them, he asked the ship's orchestra to play, Nearer my God to thee. Gathering people around him on deck, he then knelt down and raised his arms in prayer. And as the ship began to lurch, he jumped into the icy waters and swam frantically to all he could, to everyone he could reach, urging them to turn to the Lord Jesus and be saved. And finally, as hypothermia set in, John Harper sank beneath the waters and passed into heaven. He was 39 years old. Four years later, a young Scotsman stood up in a church in Hamilton, Canada, and gave this following testimony. I am a survivor of the Titanic. When I was drifting alone on that awful night, the tide brought Mr. John Harper of Glasgow on a piece of wreck near me. And he said to me these words, Man, are you saved? He said, No, he said, I am not. He replied, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. And then the waves took him away. But strange enough, they somehow brought him back. And a little later he said, Are you saved now? <coughs> and he said, No. He said, I, I can't honestly say that I am. And he said again, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And shortly after he went down. And there alone in the night with two miles of water under me, I believed. I think most of us would believe, wouldn't we really? We'd believe in anything and everything if there was two miles of Atlantic Ocean underneath us. But you see, in the Hollywood remake of the, the, the film, The Titanic, nothing was said about John Harper. There was no mention of him. There's no mention of, of anything to do with his legacy, of anything to do with any of the people that he met, there's no more than that stupid scene of, I'll never let you go. Goodbye. <laughs> there's no mention of it. There's no mention of John Harper at all. But he was truly one of the great heroes of the Titanic. In the face of death and drowning, 
He's concerned about the souls of men. In the face of everything, in witnessing this great liner breaking up before him, of hearing the screams and the cry for helps of people, he's not interested in himself. He's interested in the souls of the people around him. You see, we're going to have a little look at this, about a very small piece of the life of a man called Philip this morning. And he was just like John Harper, or rather John Harper was just like Philip. He was fixated on telling people about Jesus. And Philip's life story is littered with these uh, events where he would go and he would tell people about Jesus. And he did it in some amazing ways. And one of the events that we're going to read about this morning uh, will soon become obvious as to why I've gone there. So we're going to read together from Acts chapter 8, uh, verses 26 uh, to 39. So I'll give you a few moments to... Uh, to, to find those, uh, those verses there. If you're using a church Bible, it's on page 1101, or as you will see, it's also upon screen. So this account then from Acts, Acts chapter 8. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down to Jerusalem from Gaza. So he started out. And on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all of the treasure of Candake, which means Queen of the Ethiopians. And the man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. And on his way home, whilst he was sitting in the chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet, the spirit told Philip, go to the chariot and stay near it. And then Philip ran up alongside the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah, Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is a passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about himself? Or someone else. Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture. And told him the good news of Jesus. And as they travelled along the road. They came to some water. And the eunuch said look. Here is water. What can stand in the way of me being baptised? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. And then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water. And they baptised him there. So finally then, our last verse together this morning, when he came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. We're rejoicing this morning, are we not? Yeah, we are a group of people here this morning rejoicing, aren't we? Yeah, thank you. We've just witnessed a man who's willing to stand up and share his faith with the people around about him. These witnesses who have come to see Elijah be baptized, that's what we're here for this morning, isn't it? We've come to witness it. We've come to give God the glory and the honor and the majesty and the praise for the fact that he has brought us to this place. That he's given Elijah a reason to be baptized. We're not just here because Elijah didn't have anything better to do this Sunday morning. You know, he'd probably still be in bed. But this is why we're here, isn't it, this morning, that we come and we celebrate. But what I want to do this morning in the time that I have remaining is this, is simply leave you with a one-word challenge. And the word is this obedience it's been mentioned a few times already this morning there's been little snippets of it i'm sure you would have picked up on if you would have been listening if you weren't shame on you but anyway (laughs) we are looking at this one word this one word obedience and obedience is there right from the outset of the passage that we read together 
An angel of the Lord said to Philip, go. And he went. That's obedience. There we go. For those of you that are unsure, that's what obedience looks like. Kids, that's obedience. All right? Mum and dad says, go, and you go. Mum and dad say, come, and you come. Not, I'm just, or I'll do it in a minute. That's obedience. All right? But the angel of the Lord said to Philip, go, and he went. So he started out. Other versions say he got up and went. Philip was obedient. He was told by God to do something, and he did it. He didn't question it. He didn't put it off. He didn't pass it up as gentle instruction or, I'll do that when I finish this list of jobs. He went. And the Bible is full of people who listen to what God had to say, and then they do it. There are a whole host of people who left what they were doing immediately and went. Philip is no different. He goes, and when he goes, he meets this man, this Ethiopian eunuch. He was an important man. He was a treasurer for the queen. And he was in his chariot on his way home from a pilgrimage. Uh, We read that at some point during this this trip, he'd been in the temple. And he'd heard someone either reading the prophet Isaiah from a scroll, or he would have read it himself, or or something along that sort of line. But he was obviously intrigued by the the words in in this scroll, in this book. The words that he read. What was their sentiment? What was their point? What was their meaning? Who were they talking about? All these questions that this man had in his mind. You see, there was something about these words. They stood out. They were amazing. They weren't just once upon a time. You know, there was mum, dad, and little baby Johnny. They weren't just this story. There was something about him that, that really gripped him, really got hold of him, and he questioned it, and he wanted to know more. But he had a problem, that he couldn't understand what he was reading. You see, there are, there are many of us who are Christians in this room at one time or another have been in this same point. I would suggest that we've looked at God's word, we've read a, a difficult passage, you think, Lord, what are you trying to teach me from this? Or, or what in the world does that mean? Or who was that? And what, how does that fit together with this? And, and how does this all work out? You see, God tells Philip to go alongside the coach. And he does. See, this has all been worked out in God's timing, isn't it? It's all been worked out. There's no delay in God's timing. It just happens exactly when it's meant to happen. This service was meant to happen a few weeks ago. Yeah, there's no delay in God's timing. We all got to enjoy the snow, and now we get to enjoy God's, uh, Elijah's baptism. See, there's no delay. Brilliant. For those of you who are thinking, I hate snow, I don't like snow, I'm happy without it, shut up. But this is, you know, this is what it is, isn't it? This is where we are at this morning. There is no delay in God's timing because we are here together this morning. So God tells Philip to go alongside the coach. He does, and he hears the man reading the prophet Isaiah. And the eunuch invites Philip into the coach. You see, that's, that's key, that little phrase. He invited him in. There was God's messenger standing outside the coach. All the answers to the Ethiopian unit's questions were there, standing by the side of the coach. Yet, to be honest, he could have just kept on going, couldn't he? He could have gone all the way back to Ethiopia, enjoyed all the splendor of the palace and everything else, and still not had his question answered. Yet he invited God's messenger into the coach. So the passing text he was reading out from was Isaiah 53. This amazing passage, this amazing piece of prophecy that the prophet's word that he wrote about that would happen to Jesus in his life as he grew up before God. And he will also talk about his death. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. In humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Isaiah paints this literary picture, this literary masterpiece, if you will, of what happened to Jesus. 
You see, the passage also talks about the pain and the suffering that Jesus would endure. That he would be pierced for our transgressions. That the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. You see, ordinary men, no matter how clever they are with words, don't write things like this that bring so much poignance, that bring so much meaning. The whole chapter that the Ethiopian eunuch was reading was about what was going to happen to Jesus, what was going to, ha- what was going to happen in a time to come. And see, here is the epitome of, of obedience, because we're talking about Jesus, who when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. There, in perfect obedience, was Jesus walking along amongst us on earth, or amongst the, the people 2,000 years ago. He was walking amongst them. He saw them. He met them where they were. And yet he did exactly as God had commanded him to do. There was the picture of obedience. And Jesus, when he came to earth, was sent by God to carry out that specific purpose. He was sent on the rescue mission. And that rescue mission was achieved by suffering. That's exactly what the passage was talking about. If you are pierced by something, you suffer, don't you? Yes? For those of you who have had your ear pierced, yes? It wasn't a pleasant experience, was it? You know, just for some bit of dangly things. It was okay. You might notice that I have my ear pierced, but that was from a long time ago, and a lover story. But we have this idea of it wasn't easy. It was suffering. You know, suffering is not joyful, is it? You know, Men, come on, man flu. Hey, it is not a tear. Honestly, it is not enjoyable, is it? Hey? Lied up for weeks. Weeks, I tell you. At least if you can eat it out that long. But anyway, it's suffering is not something to enjoy, is it? It's not that you're, going to, you're not going to enjoy it. You're not going to love it. You're not going to wake up some morning and think, I wish to suffer. You know? I'm, going to, I'm just going to go out into this week and I'm going to suffer. I'm going to walk in front of a car because I like suffering. You know, it's not the sort of thing you do, is it? It's, not, it's something that hurts. It's something that means something to you. And this is exactly what Jesus did. But Jesus didn't say, I'm going to walk in front of a car. Jesus said, I'm going to come to earth and I'm going to suffer. Or rather, the prophet said about Jesus, he's going to come to earth and he's going to suffer. He's going to suffer what? Contradiction. He's going to suffer false accusation. He's going to suffer beating. He's going to suffer betrayal. His closest friends are going to up and vanish at the time when he needs them most. He's going to suffer ultimately on a cross. It's been said before, and I'm saying it again, the most cruelest way to kill somebody is to crucify them. And Jesus was obedient to that. Jesus says, that's what I'm going to do. That's what I want to do. Jesus was willing to stand up and say, I'm going to suffer. Otherwise, the prophet wouldn't have written those words. He came with a very specific purpose. He was sent by God. And ultimately, he did that and achieved that purpose by being pierced. He achieved it through the pain and suffering that Isaiah talked about. You see, Isaiah, in that same chapter that, that, Philip, uh, that Eunuch and, and Philip were talking about and discussing together, were going to say that the Lord would make his life an offering for sin. Now, some of you might be thinking, look, I don't know who you are. I preferred your earlier shirt. But I want to know. I did not come here this morning to be told I am a sinner. All right? Let's just get that fact. Well, tough. Because that's what the Bible says. You can argue with me all you want. I don't mind. I've got all day. You want to take it up with God? Be my guest. Let me know how it goes. 
I don't say that to be flippant. I don't say that because I somehow just don't care about what you're thinking and what you're going through. I say it because it's true. I say it because if you're sitting here this morning thinking, oh, I've never done anything wrong, I'm not a bad person, I'm okay, you're sitting amongst a group of people who are just as bad, if not worse, as you. The only difference being is this, okay, is that there are those of us here this morning, I can guarantee you, who have a relationship with Christ, that we've done something about it. You see, you've heard from Elijah's testimony. You've heard part, a very little snippet. You've been given a glimpse of his own story. The story that Elijah, I'm not all just finished at the end of his testimony by saying to be continued. Because that's where we are, isn't it? That's what it is. It's his ongoing story. This ongoing turn of events. And just because Elijah's in a position now where he's been baptized, he's not come up out of the water of some holy man that will never make a further mistake. He came up as a wa- out of the water as a man who simply said, I want to live my life for Christ. I'm still a sinner. I'm still going to get it wrong. I'm still going to make mistakes. I'm still going to drop the ball. I'm still going to think there's going to be times where I've failed God. There's still going to be times where I think, Lord, are you even there? Let's be honest with ourselves here this morning. If we're a Christian and we're in a relationship with Christ, there are times when we've sat there and we've thought, Just, what's going on? Where are you, Lord? We've asked that question. Yet we've come this morning to realize and to witness a man who was willing to stand up and be counted because of what Jesus did when he suffered on the cross. You see, God made Jesus, a su- a suffering, made Jesus suffer and an offering for Elijah's sin. For all those things that Elijah would never want us to know. For all those events that he's done and hidden and not said anything about. I know I'm picking on him, but tough. All those things, all those skeletons in Elijah's wardrobe, and I'm not just talking about you know, the stuff that should have gone in the wash ages ago. All those things that nobody, would have want, uh, nobody wants to know about Elijah, and Elijah wouldn't want anybody to know about it. All those things that God made Jesus an offering for. You see, the wrong things that we did, the wrong things that Elijah did, the wrong things that I did, you might look at me and say, no. You'll never make, you're perfect. You'll never make just, just, you know, I mean, come on. Oh, not me? I was wrong once. It was a Friday. You know, this is what we're talking about, isn't it? This is what we're like. Well, I'm okay, I'm all right. Whereas actually, when we need to strip it and realize and break it down, that Jesus was made a suffering, made an offering, and he suffered for our sin. Let's make it personal, individually. He made it for, he suffered for my sin. You see, what we do need to realize is that we're all in this together. I mean, you know, I started with a Titanic reference. We're all in the same boat, aren't we? You know, we're all sat here together this morning. The only difference between you and me is I'm standing up. This is where we're at. This is, the, this is what, we're, what we're together with this morning. You see, I only speak, as many people do in this church this morning, that call Jesus their Lord, that we have realized that Jesus came to do an amazing thing. And we believed in him. We've been baptized. Oh, there's a challenge. If you've not been baptized, why not? Jesus didn't make many commands or give many commands, but he did say, believe and be baptized. Don't take it up with me. Take it up with him and let me know how it goes. This is where we are at. That We realized, loads of us here this morning, millions of us around the world, 
Millions of people through history have realized that when Jesus came to die, he died for our sin and he died in my place. You see, Philip would have explained that. And he would have done a far better job than I've done it. But Philip would have explained exactly what it meant. He would have looked at the intricacies of the passage. He would have talked about all the different sacrifices, I'm sure. He would have talked about all the things that this eunuch may or may not have understood. But you've seen what it meant to the eunuch. Because he said, look, there's water. I'm going to be baptized. I would suggest it was more like Alan's baptism than Elijah's. You know, going into a puddle or a pool by the side of the road. Close your mouth, close your eyes. Shut your nose and under you go. That's more what it would have been like. But the poignancy was there. It was immediate. Do you see? There was none of this, oh, well, I'll do it next week or I'll do it the week after. It was, it was there. That was where the eunuch was. They came to a point, God had ordained it, that such that their journey, that Philip was going to arrive in just the right time. To have just the right time to explain everything that that man needed to know. And then they were going to arrive by water. Yeah? Can I be honest with you? That's never occurred to me before until I just started saying it. It's never occurred to me. I've read this passage hundreds of times. But it's never occurred to me until that moment. I've just had a eureka moment. You're looking at a man who's just had a eureka moment. But that's it, isn't it? We've got to that point where by Philip, everything has been worked out perfectly so that that man arrived in that coach at the right time to be baptized. So everything worked out perfectly this morning. Nobody fell over. Nobody fell in. We only had one baptism, not many. All was fine. But you see, there's no delay in God's plan. That's exactly what happened with, with Elijah. It's exactly what happened with Philip. Philip told Jesus, uh, the, uh, the eunuch, about the good news of Christ. He told them that all you have to do would be believe and be baptized. He wouldn't have held anything back, just like John Harper did. Well, that story I told at the beginning. Philip was a man who wanted to share the good news about Jesus to the people he met. The same news that changed Elijah's life is the same news that can change your life this morning if you're not in a relationship with Christ. The same message that I am sharing with you this morning hasn't changed for thousands of years. Paul put it very succinctly. We preached Christ crucified. That's it. Nothing more, nothing added, nothing taken away. And Philip was obedient to God. The eunuch was obedient to God in that he believed his message. I know that because he said he wanted to be baptized. There was nothing that could stand in his way. That was in his, pass- that was in his statement. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? The man realized who Jesus was and what he had done for him. And Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commands. And Jesus commanded everybody everywhere to believe and be baptized. And God had brought this man to this place at this time. You see, God has brought you to this place at this time. You might have thought, well, it's a bit inconvenient. I've had to reschedule a few things in my diary to get here this morning. But God had it all planned out. That you were going to be here this morning. You were going to witness a young man stand up and say, actions speak louder than words. You were going to hear his grandfather Relate briefly to years of trusting in God and what God has done in his life. You were going to hear me. You didn't know you were going to hear me, but you were going to hear me try and explain something more about what this means. 
So God has brought you here to this place. You've heard what you've heard this morning. You've sung the songs that we've sung this morning. And see, it all started with that series of events. He was in Jerusalem. He was in the temple. He heard the scroll, or he read the scroll of Isaiah being read. He would worship in the temple. He would meet Philip along the road. And then he was baptized. What's your series of events? Let's make it personal. Let's make it real. Let's make it a bit uncomfortable. What's your series of events this morning? Why are you here? Are you here just because it's duty? Or are you here actually because, what's this baptism thing all about? If you're a Christian here this morning, what's standing in the way of you following Elijah's example, the eunuch's example, and being baptized? If you're not a Christian here this morning, think on what has been said and what has been sung. What you've seen. What makes a man willing to get soaking wet in front of everybody in cold water? Yes, it was cold. What makes a man do that? To stand up and be counted. To stand up for a faith in a world that calls it nonsense. That calls it irrelevant. That says religion is a fairy story for people afraid of the dark. To quote Richard Dawkins. What makes a man do that? Well I'll tell you what it is. It's one very simple word. Obedience. Because Jesus said, believe and be baptised. So my question to you as I close and as I draw our thoughts to a close this morning. What's stopping you? The water's still in here, by the way. It hasn't evaporated. I can do another message. It's not a problem. I have wet clothes already. It's fine. What is stopping you? What is standing in the way of you, A, starting a relationship with Christ, and B, being baptized? You see what happened to the eunuch? Well, he went away praising God. He went away praising God from what happened. And I suggest that every single one of us this morning will either have questions or will go away praising God over what happened this morning. I wonder what the coach driver thought. The unseen bit of this story. This coach driver sat there thinking, well, what? He's had me stop the coach. Some bloke's turned up from goodness knows where. He's been, they've been in there talking for ages. And now... He's walked into a pool. The bloke's dunked him underneath the water. He's sopping wet. I've got to clean this coach and be there for ages when I get back. I wonder what the coach driver thought. Well, he was just a spectator, wasn't he? He was just somebody there. Are you a spectator this morning? Are you just somebody there? Or are you going to be obedient to Jesus and believe and be baptized? Think about what I've said. Take it on board. Speak to somebody you know in this church. Or speak to me. If I'm in a conversation with somebody, then interrupt me. I don't mind. I would love to be able to talk to you about what's happened this morning. There are people in this church who would love to be able to talk to you about people what's happened. Listen, we've all got skeletons in our closets, haven't we? We've all got stories to tell. We've all got things that we think we can never be forgiven for. But I want to challenge you with this. What's stopping you? The eunuch said this. There is water. What can stand in the way? of me being baptized. Amen.